Who is the devil and where did he come from? Does he have any power? If he does, where does he get it from? What are the wiles and schemes of the devil that the Bible keeps talking about? How much attention should we be giving the devil? If the devil is defeated, can't we just ignore him? In this series, we're going to the Word to find the answers to these very common questions and more. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. everybody and welcome back to Faith Talks where we are learning how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part 18 of my series Know Thy Adversary and I say this in faith but this is potentially the last episode of this series and I just thank you so much for following along and being so patient with me with the the time that it's taken to get some of these episodes out but I believe that all things work together for our good and that the timing of these episodes is exactly what God needed so thank you again for being so faithful and patient with me so today we're going to wrap this series up with a couple more hows how to recognize the thoughts of the enemy and capture them. And then I'm going to also teach you how to pray for other people. So if you have someone in your life that's dealing with some lies from the enemy, I'm going to teach you how to pray for other people. So firstly, just quickly, we're going to recap. We've learned how to remain dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, tucked away safely under the shadow of the Almighty. We've learned how to remain fully operational under the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, which enables us to supersede the law of sin and death. We've learned how to keep ourselves in the love of God, where we're fulfilling that one commandment that God's given us under the new covenant, which is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We've learned how to keep a guard on our mouth, how to keep watch over our mouth so that we never, ever give place to the enemy through words of death, through death-filled words, fear-filled words about ourselves, our circumstances, or other people. And we've learned how to recognize the thoughts of the enemy and what to do with them. What do we do with the thoughts from the enemy? And I gave you some examples in my own life and in my family's life of how we've had success by doing exactly what we've talked about. And last week, we finished off by talking about capturing the thoughts from the enemy before they become strongholds. That God tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 6 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not of the five physical senses. Our weapons are not activated by what we can do, feel, taste, touch or smell. They are activated by pulling down strongholds. 
and the way we pull down strongholds, the way we demolish strongholds, those negative neural pathways that may have formed in our minds, is by casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against our knowledge of the word, and making them obey, bringing them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Or we replace those thoughts, those imaginations with what God says about us and we rewire our brain to line up with what God says about us. And remember, guys, we said how we can't ignore those thoughts. It's vital that we don't just ignore those thoughts because if we don't do something with those thoughts, they're going to remain in our minds and they're going to start forming those little negative neural pathways. So we have to capture them and we have to replace them with the word of God. Now, you might say, I have so many thoughts about my situation. It's impossible to capture them all. Well, like we said last week, God has made it so very simple for us, guys. He has given us a very simple strategy to recognize the lies of the enemy and to deal with them. Do you want to know what it is? (laughs) Of course you do. The way, the very simple, straightforward strategy that God's given us to deal with the lies of the enemy, to recognize them, to capture them and to demolish them is revealed to us in Joshua 1 verse 8, where God tells us, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, or the result of not letting the book of the law depart from your mouth, the result of meditating in it day and night is that you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. You will make your way prosperous and you will have good success in your health, in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your children, where your protection is concerned, where your peace is concerned, where everything that pertains to life and godliness is concerned. The key to having prosperity and success in all of these areas is to not letting this book of the law, not letting the word of God depart from your mouth, but meditating in it day and night. The NIV version of this scripture says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Now, most people think of meditation as in the Eastern religion version of meditation where you sit with your legs crossed and your thumb touching your forefinger and your eyes closed and you're meditating. They've taken meditation and they've made their own version of it. But the word meditate in the biblical sense actually means to mutter or to speak. So basically, we are speaking the word of God over ourselves day and night. So what does that look like to meditate on the word day and night? 
Okay, so for example, you might be believing God for your healing and trusting him that he's true to his word, that he's faithful to his word, that when he says that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus, that he means it. And so you're taking God at his word. And now because we believe the word of God, we believe the promises of God that he says that we're healed at the cross, we have to speak the word of God. Remember that 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 tells us if we believe the word, we must speak the word. The word of God that concerns your healing is only going to work in your situation if you speak the word of God. It is vital that we activate that principle that we have what we say. It's vital that we activate the principle that life and death are in the power of our tongue by speaking words of life, by saying what God says about our health or whatever situation you want to apply this to, by releasing our faith, by speaking and agreeing with God about our health. Okay, so you're dealing with a health problem. Now, what I really like to tell people to do, because it's biblical, is to take God's word like medicine. Okay, and I'm going to use the health example because most of us deal with health problems at some point in our lives, but this principle can apply to whatever situation that you're going through. So God tells us in Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22, that his words are life to those who find them and they are health to all their flesh. So that word health literally means medicine. So if a doctor was to give you a natural medicine and say, take this medicine three times a day, take it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, don't miss a dose, make sure you take it for the full prescribed time and you will be cured of your ailment. We would be very diligent to follow the doctor's orders, right? Well, God tells us that his word is medicine to our bodies. It's not even like medicine. It is medicine. And so if we take God's word regularly throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we deliberately and persistently apply that word of God to our bodies, that word of God is going to work like medicine. It is medicine to our bodies. So I always suggest to people, take God's word three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But now in between those times, it's vital that we meditate on the word. So we keep that word of God in our minds and coming out of our mouth. We meditate on it. We mutter it. We chew it over and over and over and over and over again. So you might have your list of scriptures that you speak over yourself to take God's word like medicine. You might have a list from my Confessions for Life booklet, or you might have a list of your own that you speak consistently over your body. Now, in between those times, just take one scripture, just one little scripture. It could be Psalm 107 verse 20, which says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. And so to meditate on the word day and night, what that means is that you take that one little scripture and as you go about your day, you say, Lord, I thank you that you sent your word and healed me and you delivered me from destruction. You sent your word, Lord. You sent your word and you healed me and you delivered me from this disease. You've delivered me from this sickness. Lord, you sent your word and you healed me and you've delivered me from destruction. You've delivered me from destruction. You've delivered me from destruction. Thank you, Lord. You've delivered me from sickness. You've delivered me 
from disease. You've delivered me from destruction. Thank you, Lord. You have delivered me from destruction. And so you're getting that one little scripture, and this could be any scripture, but just keep it simple because everything that God's told us to do, it should be simple. And so we're just meditating on it and we're chewing it over and we're keeping it in our eyes and in our mind and in our mouth. And what that is doing is that meditation on that word, that's forming those strong neural pathways in our mind. That's rewiring our brain from seeing ourselves as sick to seeing ourselves as healed, to seeing ourselves as delivered from destruction, to seeing ourselves as free from all that nonsense that's going on in our bodies. We are meditating on the word of God day and night and the enemy can't get a word in edgeways because we are constantly filling our mind with what God says about us. We are meditating on the word of God day and night. And God promises us that when we do this, we are making our way prosperous and we will have good success or we will see success in whatever it is that we are meditating on that word for. Isn't that awesome? It's so simple, but it is so powerful. Psalm 1 verse 2 tells us that the man who meditates on the word of God, on the law of the Lord day and night, will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water that always brings forth fruit, whose leaf never withers and whatever they do prospers. Meditating on the word of God day and night. Now, those scriptures don't tell us all about casting down imaginations. They don't tell us all about recognizing the lies and suggestions of the enemy, but by default, that's what we're doing. When we're meditating on the word of God day and night, we are constantly immersing ourselves in truth. So when the contrary thoughts come, we'll recognize them immediately and we'll say, no, no, God's word says that he sent his word and healed me and he delivered me from destruction. So guys, we are always thinking about something all day, always thinking about something. So if we get that one scripture that pertains to that situation that's speaking loudest to us and meditate on it day and night, that's where we will find our success. That's where we will find our healing, our prosperity, our provision and everything else that we're believing God for. Meditating on God's word is a one-stop shop for dealing with everything that gives the enemy place. Meditating on God's word day and night means that we'll immediately recognize the contradiction will immediately recognize the lies and the thoughts and the suggestions of the enemy because every thought that pops into our heads will immediately bump up against the truth. Every thought tempting us to fear will immediately be held up against the truth. Every thought tempting us to think negatively about the situation or ourselves or other people will immediately be held up against the truth. Every thought tempting us to speak words of death about our situations or ourselves or other people will immediately come up against the truth. Every temptation to get out of love and break the commandment to love will immediately 
bump up against the truth because we're keeping ourselves in the love of God when we constantly meditate on the word of God because God and his word are one and God is love. Therefore, the word is love. So when we're meditating on the word of God, we're meditating on love and we'll find it effortless to walk in love with people when we are constantly immersing ourselves in the love of God. And we'll be able to capture and cast down those negative thoughts immediately because we'll instantly recognize them as imaginations, thoughts, reasonings, and opinions that are trying to gain a higher place in our minds than our knowledge of the Word of God. So guys, from studying this out for the length of time that I have, I truly, truly believe that this is the key. Meditate on the word of God day and night, and then all of your success, all of your prosperity, all of your health, all of your peace, all of your joy, everything that you need for life and godliness will stem from you giving your full attention to God's word day and night and his word only. So now I want to teach you quickly about how to pray for other people. So you can apply all of these principles to things that you're dealing with in your own life, but you might have someone in your life that's struggling with some lies and suggestions and strongholds of the enemy. They might be struggling with addiction or depression or mental health issues or anger They might be struggling with their sexuality or their identity, or they might simply be unsaved and either not interested in the gospel or hostile towards the gospel. So I just want to encourage you that God has made it very possible for us to intercede for these people and see them set free, see their lives transformed, because there's no situation that is impossible for God. And he's given us all of the tools and the strategies to pray effectively for other people. So we have to remember that God hasn't given us authority over other people. He has not given us the right to force their opinions or change their minds or their choices, but he has given us authority over the devil that is influencing their minds and choices. Now, this goes all the way back to what we talked about in the very beginning of this series, that the only way that the enemy can can influence anybody's lives is by influencing their thoughts, by whispering his lies and his suggestions to them, which in turn influences their actions and their behavior and eventually their character. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 tells us that the God of this world, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. The reason that people walk in darkness, the reason that people struggle with addictions and behaviors and any kind of mental stronghold is because the adversary, Satan, is blinding their eyes. He's blinding their minds. The light of the gospel is always, always shining on people. But if the enemy is blinding their eyes, blinding their minds, they cannot see that light. So this is the reason, this is one of the reasons that God has given us authority over all of the power of the enemy. In Matthew 16 verse 19, God tells us that he's given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven 
And those keys are that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. God has given us the authority to bind the enemy's influence over other people. That word bind simply means to forbid. God's given us the authority to forbid the enemy from lying to people, from deceiving them and from blinding their eyes to the truth. He has given us authority to enforce God's will for their lives according to the word of God. So we're not enforcing our will on people. We are enforcing God's will on people. And God says in 2 Timothy that he desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So that is God's will for every single person on the planet. And God tells us that we are to pray his kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so we have authority over the enemy that's lying to people and deceiving them and blinding their minds to the truth. And see, when we deal with the source of the blindness, when we take authority over the enemy who's blinding people's eyes and deal with the source of the blindness, their eyes will be opened and they will see the light of the gospel of Christ. They will see who they are in Christ and see God's unconditional love and grace toward them, which is always shining on them. So just to be clear, God has instructed us to enforce his will for people, not our own will. If we can find it in the word, then that is God's will for that person. So we can't pray and command someone to move to a different place or marry a certain person or fall in love with us <laughs> because those things are not expressly defined in God's word. Those things are our will, not God's will. But if we can find it in the word, then that is God's will and we can enforce God's will. Again, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 tells us that God's will is for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. John 10 verse 10 tells us that God's will is for all men to enjoy life, peace and joy, which are the things that Jesus died to provide for us. John 8 verse 36 tells us that God's will is for all men to walk free from the bondages of fear, oppression and any other influence of the devil. And we have every right to pray for other people and enforce God's will in their lives, enforce that God's kingdom is come and his will is done in their lives just as it is in heaven. So when we pray for other people, the first thing that we have to do, guys, is to bind the influence of the enemy over them, to forbid the devil from lying to them and influencing them. And that's as simple as talking directly to the devil and saying, in Jesus' name, devil, I bind you. I forbid you to lie to that person, to deceive them or to blind their eyes to the truth of who they are in Christ Jesus. And we speak directly to the devil using our authority in the name of Jesus. And we tell him what he's forbidden to do. 
and we command him to flee from them in the name of Jesus. So first of all, we take authority and we bind the devil and then we enforce God's will for that person by declaring what God says about them. And we can take any scripture from the word that applies to their situation and we declare it over them and that's how we enforce God's will for them. So for example, if someone that we know is dealing with depression or fear, you can pray for them and you can say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, devil of fear. I bind you, spirit of fear. You cannot lie to this person. You cannot influence them. You have no place in their lives. And then you declare God's word over them and you say, in Jesus' name, they do not have a spirit of fear. They have power and love and a sound mind. If someone you know is dealing with addiction or is in bondage to something, you can pray for them and you can say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, devil of addiction. I bind you in Jesus' name. You cannot keep them in bondage to this addiction. And you say, in the name of Jesus, they are free from this addiction because the Son has set them free and they are free indeed. And I've actually found that one of the best scriptures to pray over people is that they hear the voice of the good shepherd only and they run from the voice of a stranger. And another excellent scripture to pray over people is Ephesians 1 verse 17, that the eyes of their understanding are opened and they know the hope of their calling. They know the riches of their glorious inheritance in the saints and they know the exceeding greatness of God's power towards them. Okay, so you take the word of God, you take the promises of God and you pray those promises over that person. You bind the enemy first and then you pray the promises of God over that person and that's how you deal with the source of the blindness and that's how you enforce God's will in their lives. And as you're praying these prayers, Imagine yourself prying the devil's fingers off them. Imagine that you're wrapping duct tape around his mouth and you're gagging him from speaking to them. You're gagging his influence. You're gagging his lies. You're gagging his communication with them because actually, in a sense, that's what you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing. And as with any fight of faith, guys, consistency is key. Consistency is key. You have to decide that you're going to not be moved by what you see, what you hear, or what you feel. This is both negative or positive, but you're going to keep your faith out in the field until the full harvest is seen. So regardless if things seem to get worse, you're still going to remain consistent with your fight of faith for that person. If things seem to get better, you're going to remain consistent with your fight of faith for that person. Either way, you're not going to bring your faith in from the field until you see the full manifestation of what you're believing for. A few months ago, I was contacted by a lady here in Australia and I actually posted her testimony on my social media. So you may have seen me share this testimony. But what had happened is that she was pregnant with her first baby and her and her husband had been married for many years and he had never wanted children and she always had wanted children. And finally, after a lot of debate and discussion, he relented and decided to allow her to have a baby. 
But what happened was is the moment that she got pregnant, he turned against her and he became very hostile towards her and started demanding that she have an abortion. And there was a lot of strife and division in their house. And he actually ended up moving out of their home and refused to speak to her. And this whole time she's going through this journey of pregnancy all by herself. She had no support from him. In fact, he was so hostile and angry at her for not doing what he wanted her to do in regards to the pregnancy, that he wouldn't speak to her, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. And she contacted me when she was about eight months pregnant and she was just desperate because she was going to have this baby in one month's time and she didn't even know if her husband was going to be there for the birth or anything like that. And so I showed her the things that we've just been talking about, that God's given us strategies in the word of God for how to break the influence of the enemy over people. And I said to her that this wasn't her husband. This behavior, it wasn't her husband. He was simply listening to the lies and the suggestions of the enemy because that devil was trying to break up that family, trying to make that family fall to pieces, trying to rob that child of a father in their lives. And it was the devil. The devil was behind it because it was stealing, killing and destroying. And so I helped her to separate the behavior of her husband and realized that her struggle was not with flesh and blood, but it was against a devil. It was against a demonic entity that was hell bent on causing havoc in their marriage and in their family. I showed her through the word how to take authority over the devil, how to bind his influence over her husband, how to speak to that devil and command him to shut his mouth, and then how to pray the word of God over their marriage and over her husband. And the main thing is too, is that I really encouraged her to forgive her husband because as we know, forgiveness is essential. If we want to see our faith be effective, faith works by love. So if we want our faith to be effective in someone's life, we have to forgive them first. And she really struggled with that at first, but I said to her, come on, you can do it. It's just a step of faith. You say, I forgive him. I release him from all of the hurt and the trauma that he's caused me. And then you go to work binding the enemy and declaring what God says about your marriage. Anyway, she did it. And a couple of weeks later, she contacted me and she said her husband had done a complete 180 degree turn. He'd moved back into her room, into her house and started being interested in the baby and wanting to know all about it. And she just saw a dramatic change in his behavior because she was gagging the enemy, binding the enemy that was blinding her husband's eyes and prying his fingers off him. And so he was beginning to see the light of the gospel that was always shining on him because the source of the blindness was being dealt with. Now, what did happen is that when things started to change and started to get good for this couple, this lady got slack. She readily admits that she got slack because things started to get good. So she started to relax. She started to stop speaking the word over her husband. She started to stop binding the enemy from over him. And what happened was is that things went downhill really fast and ended up being worse than they were before she started praying for her husband. And he got even more hostile and even more angry and it just turned really, really bad. And so she rang me again and I just said to her, have you been doing the word? And she admitted that she hadn't because things were getting good. 
And so I said to her, come on, you continue to do this. You get back up on the word, you get back up on your position where you're binding the enemy over your husband and refusing to allow him to speak to him. And she did. And then it all turned around again. And the end of the story is, is that her husband is now a beautiful, doting, loving father. He was there at the birth. He was the first one to hold his baby. They named him after him. And it was a happy ending for everybody because this lady recognized that the source of her problems were not her husband. It was the devil that was lying to him and deceiving him and blinding his eyes to the truth. So when she took authority over the devil, when she spoke to him and told him to bow his knee and declared what God said about her husband and about their marriage, everything turned around because the devil lost his grip on her husband and he could see the light, he could see the truth, and that completely changed his attitude and his his behavior toward his wife and his baby. So again, I just encourage you that if you decide to take on the fight of faith for someone in your life and see the enemy's grip broken on that person, don't stop when things start getting good. Don't stop. That's not the time to stop. I always say that you don't slow down when you see the finish line approach. You put in your best effort. You give it all you've got because you want to get across that finish line. Now, you don't have to fight this fight of faith intensely and viciously forever. I believe that the Holy Spirit will give you a release. You'll know the time where you can just step back a little bit and not have to fight so hard for that person. But when you're in this battle, this wrestling match, this tug of war with the enemy over your loved one. You have to give it your all until he's lost his grip completely. And you can decide to pray this way for anybody, anybody, guys. You can put your faith out there for whoever you decide to put your faith out there for. You can pray this way for family members, for friends, for people that you meet on the street, for people in government. It's literally anyone that you decide to stand in faith for because God needs us to intercede for people. So if someone's on your heart, someone that may not even be related to you or may not even know you, but if someone's on your heart to pray for them, follow that prompting because God needs you to intercede for that person so that he can get to work in their lives. So what I've done is I have put together a PDF of a format of prayers for how to pray for other people who are dealing with addiction or mental health issues or struggles with their sexuality or identity on my website. And there's also one there that my mum put together for how to pray specifically for someone's salvation. So what I encourage you to do is to go to my website and print off those PDFs to help you pray effectively for other people. Now, you don't have to follow those prayer formats word for word, but what they are is they are a framework for how to pray effectively for other people. And that is mainly you have to take authority over the devil and you have to declare what God's word says about those people. So you can tailor it specifically to your situation and to scriptures that are meaningful to you. But basically, it's just to help you cover those two main vital components of praying effectively for other people. Or if you would like to email me, questions at faithtalks.com.au, I can send them to you over email as well if you have any difficulty finding them on my website. So that's how to pray effectively for other people, guys. 
And I just want to encourage you that there's no situation that's too hopeless. It doesn't matter how far gone a person is in their mind, how much they've relinquished their mind to the enemy. It doesn't matter. It just takes one person standing in faith for that person to see their life completely transformed. So just remember that the fight of faith isn't to get healed, to get prosperous, to get delivered, to get peace in our relationships or get victory over the challenges we face. Just like Satan deceived Adam and Eve into handing all that they had over to him, our fight of faith is to recognize the lies, the deception and the trickery that Satan uses to try and convince us into handing our body over to him, handing our finances over to him, handing our relationships over to him, handing our nation over to him, handing our children over to him, handing our covenant of protection over to him, handing our peace in every area of our life over to him. We fight the fight of faith to win the wrestle over our minds and to keep the devil in his place, which is under our feet. We fight the fight of faith to keep Satan's lies from exalting themselves above our knowledge of God's word. We fight the fight of faith to keep his lies, thoughts, and suggestions from taking root in our minds and forming strongholds. We fight the fight of faith to keep the enemy from getting advantage of us by remaining fully aware of his devices, his thoughts, and we fight the fight of faith to keep him from stealing the word. So guys, I hope that based on everything that we have learned, you are now fully persuaded that you do not have to be scared, intimidated by, or feel threatened by the devil. You have complete dominion and authority over him. The only way that he can successfully get a foothold or any kind of access to your life is if you listen to his lies. He is completely and utterly defeated. And for the remainder of our time on earth, our job is to enforce his defeat. Our job is to enforce his defeat where our health is concerned, enforce his defeat where our finances are concerned, where our relationships are concerned, where our children are concerned, where the affairs going on in our nation are concerned, where our covenants of protection and peace are concerned. We enforce his defeat and overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, by testifying of what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us. The blood of Jesus put him in his place and we keep him in his place by testifying what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us. And ladies and gentlemen, just like military occupation, we continue to occupy this earth until Jesus comes because when he does, and it's going to be very, very soon, that dragon, that serpent of old, that deceiver and adversary who is the devil will be cast into the lake of fire where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. And there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering ever, ever, ever again. 
And when that day comes, Isaiah 14 verse 16 says that those who see him will look narrowly at him. They will closely examine him saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? In other words, we will say, was this the source of all of our problems? All right, guys, that is the end of my series, Know Thy Adversary. And I really believe and trust that God has shown you some amazing, awesome truths through this series and that you will never, ever look at the fight of faith the same way again. I would just like to encourage everybody that if you do not have a copy of Confessions for Life, which is my free booklet of scriptural confessions that cover all of the main areas of life, that you can order your free copy from my website, faithtalks.com.au. They are available in several different languages and they are available as a PDF download as well, free of charge. So please go to my website and see what's available there and take advantage of all of the resources that I've put up there for you. And in the next episode, we are going to be doing a Q&A. So before I started this series, I encouraged people to send me their questions. Do you have any questions about the devil? What are some things that you've heard commonly taught about the devil? Is there anything that you're not sure of about the devil or that you want cleared up about the devil specifically? And I had a lot of people send in their comments and their questions. So I'm going to be answering all of those in my next episode, which is going to be dedicated purely to questions and answers. So now is your chance, guys, if you have any questions that I haven't already covered in this series that you would like answered, questions specifically about our adversary, the devil, then I encourage you to send them to me at questions at faithtalks.com.au because I will research the answers in the word of God and I will address them in the next episode, which will be dedicated specifically to answering all of those questions. So please send me your questions to questions at faithtalks.com.au. All right, guys, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And from the feedback that I've received, I know that so many of you have been blessed and encouraged and enlightened by this series. And I just praise God for his word, for his wisdom, and for showing us everything that we ever want to know in his word, which is his will. I will look forward to catching you next time on Faith Talks. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.